to say welcome very well. The Lord bless you. And uh, I believe, God, that you are going to be blessed right where you are. If you are listening to this message as recorded after now, I want you to know that God will be blessing you and uh, God will be reaching you as well. There is a purpose for which you are hearing my voice right now, whether live or recorded. Stay, stay, stay and listen to the end and the Lord will be blessing you in the name of Jesus. Don't forget, you can get our audio podcasts. It's listened to all over the world. By the grace of God, the last time we saw the uh, podcast report, we were being heard virtually on every continent on the earth, and we thank God for that. About 4,000 downloads so far, almost 5,000, and uh, you can find this on your podcast programs. If you have um, iPod, iPad, and uh, does anybody still use an iPod? I just remember that that was like from 20 years ago. <laughs> iPad, iPhone, or Android sets, you can just download podcasts. There's a small app there if you haven't been using it. It's for audio uh, messages and audio programs. And uh, just look for us, LiveGate Outreach Center. Subscribe to it. Every message every Sunday is there from 2017 thereabouts. But you can also find us on YouTube, LiveGate Outreach TV, all one word. And uh, all our messages are there as well. And of course, on Facebook, we broadcast live like this every Sunday by the grace of God. So you are very welcome. Uh, share, use those resources, share them. They are free to download. And we are grateful to God for the privilege he's given to us. We are starting a brand new series today called Divine Exploits by Love. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. Love is a very, very powerful force because God is love. Love is all about God. And uh, we just, this is a four-part series that we just took about four people from the scripture. There are many examples of people in the scriptures who operate by love. They do operate by love. And uh, the, the love that they operated in helped them to walk in um, uh, in a lot of exploits. They did things that were beyond them. I think we are losing our picture. So I want us all to understand that when we walk by love, we are walking by God. Hallelujah. When we walk by love, we are walking by the power of God. So in this series, we will be looking at four people. Uh, the person of Ruth, say with me, Ruth. We'll be looking at Jacob, say with me, Jacob. We'll be looking at David, say with me, David. David. And we'll be looking at Nehemiah, say with me, Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Now, these four people were examples of people in Scripture that walked in love in different ways. And in the different ways they walked, we saw God cause them to achieve some realm of divine exploits. This is what this series is all about. And I want you to plug to them by faith. So over the next four Sundays, we'll be looking at them in that way. Now, the reality is that Ruth is one that I captioned uh, Ruth, Loving God, which is the title of today's series. Loving God, Living All, and Gaining All. Loving God, say with me, Loving God, Living All, Gaining All. So he, she loved God, she left all for God, and she gained all by God. And I want us to see that because, you see, the must be measured in a way that we understand that we are connecting to God 
Many people say they love God. But when we look at the story of a person, many times growing up from Sunday school days and all those things in church life that I've seen so far, when people look at the story of Ruth, what comes to them is a person, a woman who was virtuous, a woman who married a great man, and of course, uh, as Anybody like people who were around were people, Egyptians, were, were seen in those, in those days as people who served other gods, worshipped other gods, so they were unbelievers. Now, Ruth was one of those. Now, God in his wisdom knows that this woman was going to become a great grandmother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as far as his lead, uh, uh, human ancestral line is concerned. But here she was, an unbeliever. Here she was, somebody not connected to the covenant just yet. Now, I want you to understand something. There's a lot I'm going to be saying today so and quickly, so please follow me. Now, I want you to understand something, that God's ways are not our ways, and God's paths are not our paths, truly. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God knew that this woman was in Moab. There is no way she could have connected to the is, is Jewish and Hebrew lineage if the famine that happened in Bethlehem, Judah, had not forced the man called Elimelech and his wife Naomi to go to the land of Moab. Praise the Lord. That is what we read in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. The man Elimelech took his wife and they went to the land of Moab and they dwelt there. And as they dwelt there, they had two sons who were known as Mahlon and Chilion. And these two boys grew up to the point where they could get married. But then, sadly, Elimelech died and then Mahlon and Chilion got married but they too also, after 10 years, they died. Now, this was how Ruth was brought into the picture. And Ruth became a mother, a daughter-in-law to Naomi. So now Naomi was living with two women who were daughters-in-law of his, of hers. Husband dead. 
John, her sons, also dead. My point is that connection had been made, and that was the beginning of what was to happen in the light of what we will now read in chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4 of the book of Ruth. I'm going to say something that I hope you will understand in the right context. Everything in life, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, for we know that all things what work together for good to them that love God and are they called according to his purpose. Now, please understand me very well, and I don't want to sound insensitive here. Everyone and everything you have come across in life has a beginning and has an end. Some of the ending may be quicker than you expect. When Ruth married, we don't know whether she was married to Mahlon or Chilion. It wasn't really clearly stated. When she married one of them, her expectation was that that was going to be the rest of her life married to this person. But God knew that Mahlon and Chilion and Elimelech were just to play a role in the life of Ruth to facilitate the marrying of Boaz, ultimately. So I want us to be very careful about this. Many times we are very emotionally attached to things, and I dare say at times to people. We must understand that while God is not wicked, while God is always seeking our peace, is always seeking our joy, the Bible says there is a time for everything. Some of us are forcing relationships and forcing situations that God has determined should be left behind. And some of us are like Oprah, who are not seeing what is ahead and are going back rather than being like Ruth, who could see what was ahead and pressed on in the journey ahead. So I want us to learn from the story and the life of Ruth that if we can identify God, whatever we do, wherever he is, is where we ought to be going. Ruth knew that they got to know about God through the family. And as soon as Naomi said she was leaving Moab and she was now going, and uh, they followed her up to a point, both herself and Orpah. They followed her, they followed Naomi up to a point. But when they got to a point, Naomi said, what are you guys doing? You can't follow me. I don't have sons anymore. We read that today in the Bible reading. Where you have time again, read the whole of Ruth chapter 1. Two times. The second time, Orpah felt, well... I've done my best, I want to go, but really the truth is her mind was still back in Moab. And she could not see the future, even as Naomi painted that dark picture. She could just not see the future as far as Ruth, uh, as far as Naomi was concerned. Now we didn't know what happened to Oprah again, but we all know, of course, what happened to Ruth. My point on this background is that wherever God is going and whatever God is doing is what we must always be doing. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Naomi was seeing herself in the flesh as finished and no chance. Nothing can come out of her again. She even explained this to them. But Ruth could see the God in her. And this is why we must learn to understand how to see the God in something. Many people are too emotional. Many people are too irrational. 
And if you are going to be a Christian who will survive this end time and do anything of exploit for God, your biggest secret will always be to locate where God is per time. Many people have left marriages. I've said this before. Many people have left families. Many people have left churches. Many people have left jobs. Many people have left business associates because of temporal situations. Without asking, Lord, are you still here or not? And as long as God is there, this is what Ruth showed us. Ruth saw that despite everything. In fact, Naomi said, call me Mara. Is that not true? Call me Mara. I am bitter. There is nothing else again. Everything physical around Ruth was not painting the picture. But a woman who has insight saw that she would not be limited. My reason for making this emphasis is for you to know that the love that you will have for God must be seen beyond the ordinary. The love that you must develop for God. We are a generation of people who only see God in good because God is good God is good all the time powerful song, I sang it a lot in the 90's I still love it, I love the man of God who sang it but the truth is God is good all the time you must understand that sometimes it doesn't look it but he's still good all the same, hallelujah God is good all the time, but sometimes the truth is the physical situation is like Mara. The physical situation is like bitterness, and it may not show good in the physical, but you need the eye of the Spirit to still see God's goodness. This is what separated Ruth from Oprah. And so, Ruth pressed on towards the salvation as we see it by following Naomi. And in Ruth chapter 1, now I would like us to look at some of the scriptures of emphasis. In Ruth chapter 1, I would like us to read verse 15 to verse 17. And I'll show you something that God showed me recently. Many times you know I've preached about the mystery of godliness, and we're going to tie it towards the things that Ruth said here. Ruth chapter 1, let's read from verse 15 to 17. Everybody, let's go. And she said, look. Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. She has gone back to her gods. She's not willing to go with the God of all gods. She has gone back to her gods. Let's read verse 16. But Ruth, everybody let's read verse 16 and 17 together. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Or to return back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Verse 17. Verse 17. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you from me. Hallelujah. Parts you and me. She made a commitment to go the whole way up to death. And what did she do? Paul said something in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to come back to these few verses, but 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. 
Copy me as I copy Christ. Now, Ruth was just trying to understand God, but there is something about Naomi she saw in all those travails and everything that presented God to her, and she could recognize it. That is why she says, where you go, I will go. That's the first thing. She said, where you lodge, I will lodge. She said, where your people shall be my people, your God, that God I have seen in you shall be my God. Notice she didn't say your gods, because she has seen the only one true God in this woman called Naomi. And she said, your God will be my God. He said, where you die, I will die also, and there I shall also be buried. I want us to remember 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. There are six things that she said there that are in line exactly with what the Bible calls the mystery of godliness. Can I have this screen on, please? This screen here. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. The Bible says, and without controversy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 16. Thank you. And without controversy, let's read it together. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles. Thank you. Believed on in the world and what? Received up into glory. Now stay on that verse and I will show you how everything that Ruth said in Ruth chapter 1 verse 16 and 17 matched exactly with this mystery of godliness. The Bible says and uh, just stay, stay, stay on 2 Timothy 3.16. Thank you. 2 Timothy 3.16. Stay there. 1 Timothy 3.16. I want, us to, I want to show something there. I'm sorry. 1 Timothy 3.16. Just leave it there. Okay, 1 Timothy 3.16. Everybody, please follow me. He said, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. You know, we have taught on this a lot. And he said, God was manifested in the flesh. And remember, when we were looking at the theories on time, we said the Bible says there is a time to be born. Everybody starts the journey of the faith with being born first in the flesh, an action of the flesh that brings you into the realization of your existence as a human being. That is why she said, where you go, I will go. My flesh will follow you. I will intentionally make a pursuit. And he said, where you stand, I will stand. The word stand there is representation of the word justification. What you believe is what I will believe. It's not just about standing physically. Look at it. Does it make sense that you'll be following her about and standing everywhere she stands? Is that what it would mean? No. It just simply means your principles will be my principles. The justification you have in God will be my own justification as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then he said he was seen by angels. Ruth said your people. The next thing Ruth said was that your people will be my people. Talking about ministration of angels, ministration of people, fellowship of the saints. This is why we must understand, if you want to get to God, the easiest way to get to God is to love God's people. Paul said, how can you say that you love God who you cannot see when you are not loving your brother who you can see? 
So when he said, your people shall be my people, it was like she was saying, I will be seen by the angelic host. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that we are gathered unto Mount Zion, a city that, is, that cannot be burned with fire. That it is the place of the what innumerable company of angels. In Mount Zion, in the place of the gathering of the people, we are seen by angels all the time. Ruth said, your people will be my people. Your people enjoy angelic ministration. I will fellowship with them. And when I fellowship with them, their God, your God will be my God. That was the next thing. He said it was preached among Gentiles. And you see, when God is your God, the Bible says in John chapter 8 verse 12, the Bible says Jesus said, I am the what? The light of the world. But Jesus looked at the disciples in Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. He said, you are the light of the world. You are the light. Go back to verse 14. Thank you. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 14 to 16. He said, you are the light of the world. Hallelujah. He said, you are the light of the world. Thank you. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. The one who said, I am the light of the world, says you and I are the light of the world. So when Ruth said, your God will be my God, what she was saying is that as I fellowship with the saints, I also become a partaker of that light. Hallelujah. Say, your God will be my God. That God said, you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Thank you, verse 15. The Bible says, no one lights a lamp, verse 15. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but on a what? A lampstand. He said he was preached among Gentiles. Your life and my life is not just meant for us to be Christians by mouth. We are supposed to be preached among Gentiles. We are supposed to be representing and shining that light that when Gentiles and those who are not saved, like the Moabites, like Ruth, sees Naomi and could see the light, they will see the light in you and I. Because nobody lights that lamp and puts it under a basket. This is why the devil is doing everything he can to make a mockery of the testimonies of the saints. Why do you think he fights you so much? Because the potential of my light, your light, your light, your light, your light, shining, can transform this whole city. So he walks tirelessly, day and night, going to and fro, to try to make it impossible. And the Bible says there is nobody that can put a light that is lamp, a lamp that is lit under a basket. That is why the prophet said there is no weapon that is formed against you that shall prosper. This is why we must understand some of these scriptures, we quote them, we use them to pray. But we don't understand why. Why should no weapon formed against me prosper? What is the difference between me and the other person there? Because I carry light that will continue to dismantle darkness. Because there is something that my life and your life will carry because of the God we have, carried, we have contacted that will make us a message among the Gentiles. The same way that light drew Ruth to her and to God, from Naomi's life to her God. So the Bible says, they don't light a lamp and put it under a bush, but it does what? It gives light to all who are in the house. I pray that your life and my life will continue to give light in the name of Jesus. The believers of this world are the hope of the end time. We are not better than anybody by reason of status, but we are light carriers and we should not be ashamed of it. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is what the power of God unto salvation everywhere I go I'm a carrier of it everywhere I go 
I was going to take a job in, in the year 2021. I, was, I needed to change. I, I, I did some applications to apply for some senior management positions in universities, about four universities across the country, and I was given an interview. I was given an interview in three places. The first one, I went, I got the job. The second one invited me for interview. The third one, I went, I got the job. So I canceled the third one for interview. I chose the job that God led me to choose, which I'm currently doing. On Thursday, Friday, I was driving, and I was speaking to a friend of mine who went to that university to become an external examiner. The job where I, I canceled was a senior executive position in one of their schools of engineering in that university. He said to me that the people in that post are about to be placed on redundancy. He said they're about to be placed on redundancy. I was stunned. I said, what happened? He said, they are doing some restructuring. And just two years ago, they advertised. Just two years ago, they were about to give me the job. When I came home, I told my wife, because she knows the whole story. When I came home, I, told, I said, but you know something? I so believe that if I'm there, they will cancel that redundancy. <laughs> I so believe it in my heart. You can call it arrogance. You can call it anything. <laughs> because you cannot put a light under a basket. No, you can't. <laughs> so unless God didn't want it and then he moved me elsewhere. Otherwise, if he took me there, there's no way. All the other people in that position, their job is secured as long as I'm there. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> the Bible says it gives light to all who are in the house. Ruth saw that light. It say, your God will be my God. This your God shines through people. I like it. <laughs> this your God makes people shine, makes people see hope. I like it. Your God will be my God. But she didn't stop there. Let's go back to Rome, uh, Ruth chapter 1, verse 17. This one is very important. She said, where you die, I will die. Where you die, I will die. A believer, the day you get born again, you must start to see death in two ways. Number one, you die daily to self. Every day. The self that you still see manifesting itself, the old man, what we call it, the old nature. The Bible says you have become a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. You know what they do? The way I see it in the spirit, they only go outside and stay outside the window. Any one of them, you open the window for, it will jump back inside and, and hold you like this. Remember <laughs> 10 years ago, Susie? <laughs> Ten years ago, bro, you and Susie used to chat a lot. He <laughs> said, look at her on Facebook. She's still very beautiful. <laughs> that is the old nature. You say, I bind you in Jesus' name. Then you use one eye to look again. <laughs> that is the old nature dancing around you. Say, let's go, let's go, let's go. You have to say, I reject you. Susie, I, unblo- I block you. <laughs> I block you forever. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying you hate anybody, but if Susie is going to make you fall, you better block. Don't go into private chat. Say it's just innocent. There is no innocent chat. Five years ago, it was not innocent. Why the devil is convincing you that you'll be innocent today? No, it can't be innocent. (laughs) Hallelujah. Any conversation you will have with another human being that your spouse cannot see is not a good conversation. Don't do it. Don't even think. The moment you cannot say, this is what I'm talking with her. This is what I'm talking with him. Don't do it. Don't do it. I digress. Let me come back to my message. (laughs) The Bible says, she said, where you die, I will die. This is very important for us to understand. Death, you must see it as dying daily, number one. Then two, the ultimate death. 
Friends, a believer should not be afraid to die. Some of the things I'm saying here today are not popular and I'm not trying to scare you. But if you are a believer and you are afraid to die, something is wrong. Because what happens after death, I beg of you? What happens after death? Judgment and Christ. If you are truly saved. He said he has gone to prepare a place for you. That's the place you are going next. All these uh, houses we are doing here all over the place, all these nonsense things we are living in and running everywhere, you know, to buy. You will, not be, you will go and enjoy with him. You will be at peace with him. Hallelujah. The only reason we preserve our lives and don't live carelessly is because of the people that we are connected to here on earth that love us or that we know we love and we hope they love us. Let me put it that way because you don't know who loves you. <laughs> you, you know who you love. Do you know that? Even God knows who he loves. He said he loves the whole world. Did you see that? And he said, and they all love me? No. He now said that whosoever because he doesn't know who and who will come. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so he loves the whole world. So you know who you love and you love them sincerely. That is why we stop. Paul said for me in Acts 27, we said to the people, he said, you know, I am living in this life is just because of your sake. He said for me to live is, is what? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There is nothing in this world that somebody should be cleaving onto and clinging onto as if this. Now, I am not saying because of that we live anyhow and when we die, we die. No. Preserve your life. Live the best as you can. If somebody wants to kill you, run away from them. You don't have to stay there and say, ah, well, they say. <laughs> Except, of course, if the condition of death is one that will make you deny your God. Earlier this year, I had a very unusual test, and I'm not saying this to scare you. My wife has heard it from me. There's nothing to be afraid of by the grace of God. This devil has tried my life many times. If he can kill me, he would have killed me many years, so I'm, I don't have any problem. The day I leave this earth, that means the day that God says it's time. I'm so confident of that by the grace of God. Early this year, we're just into two days, three days of the fasting. I just saw myself somewhere like in the Middle East, big desert place. If you have been to Dubai and those kind of countries, Qatar, Oman, those kind of places where they have big, big expanse of deserts and people go there to do some fun activity in the desert you know those kind of thing ride bikes and quad bikes and so on i just saw myself in one of those places and there were about five other people they were lying down face down and these people who dressed like militants this like islamic kind of militants had guns in their hand and they said look at those people they are christians like you he said this is your spot there was one more spot they put like a plastic tray that everybody was lying into and the guns were pointed at them. They said, this is your spot. If you deny Christ, we leave you. If you don't, we put you down. I looked at them. I said, to deny Christ? I said, forget it. I don't need to lie down. Shoot me now. <laughs> then the person said, no. He said, no, you have to lie down. And in the dream, I went and I lied down and I faced down. I was waiting to hear something and seeing Christ because it was so real to me. I thought there would be a gunshot and the next person I would see is Jesus Christ. I say, well done, my son, for not denying me. <laughs> As I lie down there, they cocked the gun, then I woke up. Now, you see, if you have a dream like that, if you don't know who you are, you will say, ah, <laughs> this is the end of this Christianity. <laughs> Hallelujah. I would have been worried if 
when they said deny him now and I denied him that would have given me I would have fasted more than all of you I would have continued fasting <laughs> begging God <laughs> I will continue fast if to say they say now deny or no and I say yes I deny in fact I'm taking off now if I ran away at the threat of it but the fact that I went and I lied down the devil would have used that to make me afraid that my life is threatened but rather it gave me joy that I was ready to die for my God. Hallelujah. What does the devil know? I was only 22 years old when about 500 militants of Islam were trying to kill me in the city of Kano in northern Nigeria in April 1991. I was barely 22. I was even still 21. What does the devil know? He thinks he's today. <laughs> I have been threatened more than three times with gun in my dream since this work started 10 years ago. More than three times. You have heard some of those stories. Somebody came and said to me, give us the key to the thing. We'll shoot you now. I said, you can't shoot me. He said, we'll shoot you now. And they shot the thing first time, second time. Pow, pow. Something came out like smoke from the nozzle of the gun, but nothing touched my body. And I looked at them. They saw me and they dropped the key and ran away. Hallelujah. They dropped the gun and ran away. I am not blabbing, but I have made up my mind that this death, by the grace of God, must meet me a Christian. And every child of God must wait, must have that conscious thought. I have always told you about two people that make me so motivated. Esther said, if I perish, I do what? I perish. So what? So what? I will go to the king to save my people. If I perish, I perish. Let it end there. Then you know my other group, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I like them. They say, our God will deliver us. And even if he does not, all these believers say, oh, oh, God, it is my right. I am your child. You must protect me. No, if he doesn't want to, you don't, can't do anything about it. <laughs> if he wants to call you home, let him call you home. Hallelujah. If we don't radicalize ourselves like this, we don't preach radical Christianity that makes others killed and maimed. That's not what we're talking about. But the radicalization of your person to be so strong and convinced that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Paul says, shall tribulation, shall perish, shall the sword. All those men died. They were muttering them, killing them like this. They put some of them upside down, nailed them to crosses upside down. Some of them were put in hot oil. That is why we are Christians today. And then we have believers today. Small headache. Hey, I am I'm going through trials and temptation. <laughs> My head is just going, ooh, 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 ooh. So, so we have not seen you in church. Ah. Every Sunday, my head just goes, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Friends, if we continue that one, there's no hope for those who are coming behind. There's no hope. There's no hope. If we want to see, we don't know when Jesus will come. He may come tomorrow. He may come today. He may come next year. He may come in 2,000 years. We don't know, but he will come because he cannot lie. So if we want to give hope to those people, let's be like Ruth. Where you die, I will die. With that, your God, I will die. He said, and there I will be buried. The Bible says, ultimately, we will be received up into glory. Hallelujah. I spend this emphasis on Ruth chapter 1 because many of us go to Ruth chapter 4 very quickly where she married Boaz. That is the fairy tale side of the story. That is the sweet side of the story. The commitment in Ruth chapter 1 was the whole purpose. A lover of God to the point where she was ready to die for that God and die with that God. Yeah, die for that God and died with the person that showed her that God is one that God will reward in such a way. 
God will reward your commitment. I say God will reward your commitment. In the name of Jesus. Luke chapter 18. We've read this scripture many times in the last few weeks. Verse 28 to 30. Then Peter said, See, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, verse 29, Luke 18, 29. He said to them, let's go. Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one that has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom, verse 30, verse 30, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age, the time to come, eternal life, and in the age to come, eternal life. Don't kill yourself over anything today. In the course of the week, I did some things that were needed to do, and it cost some good money, some good money. And I did it, and the person was so excited. They were so excited. They sent text, sent text, sent email, and did many things. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, just 10 years ago, in fact, five years ago, this probably wouldn't have been possible in such a short time that it needed to have been done. And I learned from that that when the Bible says, when the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, we were like them that did what? Dream. It's not only the person you are doing it for. That is how you know it is God. When you are used in the, to, to be a blessing to somebody in such a way, and the person is like, ah, this is my life change, and God has used you, this is... This. It goes to the point where you yourself, if you are honest with yourself, it will still be to you like a dream. That is how powerful it can be because you cannot see yourself. When you see yourself sat in some meetings and you look to your left and look to your right and you look at the caliber of people that are sat there and you can think well that three years ago, two years ago, you couldn't have near those kind of people. You know that it is the Lord that has turned your captivity. And that is what he does to reward those who diligently seek him. People are afraid to commit to God because they think they will lose something. If I have been wrong for 40 years, then I want to remain wrong for the rest of my life. If I've been wrong by following God like this and seeing him over and over, doing what he said he will do in this life, then I want to be wrong. I like what my father, Bishop Oedipo, said. He said he he told God that it's too late to say you are are not there. (laughs) That you are not in heaven. How did he say that thing? That it's too late. That even if you are not there, he said, wherever you are, I will go there and meet you. <laughs> he said, hey, he said, it's too late to tell me that there is no heaven again. He said, I know you will always exist. So wherever you are, if it's not called heaven, wherever, I'm coming there to meet you. <laughs> you must love God, friends. Ruth loved God. She left all. But as we saw in Ruth chapter 2, because of time, I'll paraphrase. Read the whole book of Ruth. Uh, the whole book, Ruth 1, 2, and 3. In chapter 2, she went immediately. She threw herself into diligence. She began to walk the fields. She did not look at the fact that she was going to be like a slave. She forgot the fact that she, she is now a widow, in quote. She threw herself into the job. She was serious and focused. And this is one thing Christians must not joke with. Diligence with the things God puts in your hand is key if you want to do exploits for God. Just be diligent. Mary said whatever he says to you to do, do it. Just do it. Be diligent at it. Don't use, don't do the work of God and the things God gives you to do with levity. 
You know that the work of God is not just you singing in choir, preaching message, doing usher, doing those things. That is part of it. But do you know that the work of God includes the work of your hands that you do in a place? You think it's everybody that can teach children in primary, in, in, in nursery, four, nursery age four or reception age five? Some of us have been teaching. Don't give me that kind of class. I don't know what to tell them. I can teach anything. 80 years old, no problem. <laughs> 60 years, no problem. 40, the more you are coming down, I'll start to say, hey, 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 careful. <laughs> when you get to four years, I'll tell you, I can't go there. I can't. I can teach my own children, play with them, but to put 10 of them, 20 of them in a class, here I teach them. I don't know how to do that. It's a grace. Hallelujah. It's a grace. So you do it diligently because it is a grace upon your life to do it. The Bible says whatever he gives you to do, just do it diligently with all your might. Ruth found herself in diligence. And in that place of diligence was the connection to the favor that she received from Boaz. Boaz now gave her the opportunity to be hearing from others. Hallelujah. The opportunity to be blessed and the opportunity to be, uh, uh, to, to be ministered to. And this is something that many believers do not understand. The miracle and the promises of God, the reward that God promised is on top of diligence. Hebrews 11.6, what did he say? He said, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. For they that come to him must believe that he is and that he is what? A rewarder of them who diligently seek him. As Ruth was diligent in the fields, Boaz noticed her. Boaz has been noticing people walking. But this level of diligence of this woman who was new to the town and who was just like a foreigner, more or less, now became so obvious because she was doing it so well. And as Ruth was noticed by Boaz, her story changed. Boaz is known as the kinsman redeemer in the story. In Israel those days, if a person dies if, and uh, she belongs to a family, the, the eldest person, the next older person in the family can redeem, as it were, that woman and marry her as well. It was a custom that was acceptable. And somebody was older than Boaz in Ruth chapter 3. That could have been the person. But God knows that that person was not the one who was to marry Ruth and to give birth to Obed, who was to continue the lineage. So that person rejected it. And it now gave Boaz the opportunity to go ahead and marry Ruth. This was what we read in Ruth chapter 3. And as soon as God gave favor to Ruth, I'll go straight to chapter 4. And she marries Boaz. Look at verse 13. Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. The Bible says, so, Ruth chapter 4, verse 13, and we'll also read verse 17. Ruth 13 and Ruth, uh, Ruth 4, 13. Sorry, Ruth 4, 13 and Ruth 4, 17. Ruth 4, 13 says, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her what? Don't forget she has been barren for more than 10 years. 10 years. And suddenly in a land that God had brought her to be redeemed and to establish her faith permanently, immediately the Lord gave her conception. Nothing will stop your own conception anymore. 
I said, nothing will stop your own conception anymore. Whether it is to conceive a baby or to conceive that great idea that God has given to you over these years, and it looked as if it is tarrying, nothing will block it anymore. The Bible says, and he went into her. The Lord gave her conception, and she bought a what? A son. Go to verse 17. Just go straight to verse 17. Thank you. He said, also, the neighbor woman gave him, that son, a name, saying, there is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name what? Obed. He is the father of who? Jesse, who is the father of David. And we know that that was how the lineage of Christ was established through this Moab woman, whose life looked hopeless for a long time. But when she found the God of all gods, and she went the whole way, not even thinking about her history, not even thinking about the challenges, God rewarded her. That is why I said, Ruth, she loved God. She left all, but she gained all. When she left Moab, people might have laughed at her that she was just going to probably be a slave in the country of in Bethlehem. People felt, must have felt, that there was no hope for her, leaving this hopeless woman who lost her husband and two sons. People must have called her all kinds of names or looked at her funny. Why don't you come back to your own people? And this is why we must understand, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, that we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but we are of them that press on to the saving of the soul. Don't let the present day reality stop you from pursuing God because there is a reward. I say there is a reward. In this lifetime and in the life to come, there is a reward. I say there is a reward. In the name of Jesus. Ruth is an example of how God can change a life and take it to another direction completely. Some of you are looking at your lives today and it looks as if this is how it will end. You are looking at your lives today and you, you cannot just see there must have been a time like that in the life of Ruth. She could not, she probably could not understand why will father-in-law die? Why will my husband die? Why will my brother-in-law just die? Everything looking gloomy, 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 gloomy all around. But yet God has a plan that is to hatch not just one son, but the son of all sons, the king of all kings, the lord of lords, was to come through. But this woman was in a, at that point in time, was in a situation that looked gloom and dark. I want you to press into the salvation of the Lord. As you press into him whom you have believed, I say as you press into him whom you have believed, God himself will be confirming his word with signs and wonders in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. Don't give up on God because it looks like you should today. There is more. I said there is more ahead of you. In the name of Jesus. She met the God of Israel and she became a living testimony. Everybody talks about Ruth today. Hardly do we mention Oprah. If not that we Oprah, if not Oprah, <laughs> Oprah, if we don't talk about Ruth. That is the only time you relate Oprah. Orpah. Orpah was somebody who was there, exactly like her. But we talk about Ruth today, and that is only when we remember to mention. Somebody said, uh, who were these two spies that went into the promised land because they had faith to see more than the giants? Everybody will shout, Caleb, Joshua. When you say, what are the names of the other ten? Nobody knows those names again. <laughs> Unless you go back and check. 
Because they were all listed there. The people that know their God shall be what? Strong and they shall do exploits. The Lord is calling for more warriors in this time. People who will be strong. People who will be hardworking. People who will be faithful. Let us not put our needs before God. Put God first. The Bible says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I've told you many times, he never said seek anything second. Because at times we read it like seek first the kingdom and maybe seek second those things that are your bills and all those things. No, (laughs) don't seek them at all. Because as you are seeking God, he gives you wisdom, he gives you strength, he gives you energy. If I've told you the number of places I've been this one week that are gone, only God knows. If I tell you where I would have been between now and next Sunday, only God knows. That God gives you energy, gives you protection, he gives you favor, he gives you supply. He gives you things. I have never, ever been let down by God. And I, there, if there is anything I can tell believers is to say, you know what? Serve God. Serve God sincerely. Let it be like Ruth. Say, in, in, your God will be my God. Let it be like Ruth. To say, your people will be my people. There are some people who say, me, I just love God. I don't want to have anything to do with anybody. That is not, that is not a Christian. <laughs> if you love God, you must love his people. That is why those two commandments go together. Love the Lord your God with all your strength. And then the second is like it. You shall love what? Your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to see God helping you work in exploits, learn to love God and learn to love his people. Never let anything of this life, the devil will keep trying to discourage you. Never let anything of this life rob you from the love of God. The Bible says nothing shall separate us. And I decree that nothing will separate you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Don't be afraid. Keep pressing on. The dark times may get darker. The Bible says darkness will cover the earth. Didn't you read that in Isaiah 60? He said darkness will cover the earth. Gross darkness the people. But you should do what? Arise and shine. For your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Hallelujah. The Bible says you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. No devil can kill you before your time. In the name of Jesus, whatever the devil is using to discourage people from serving God, loving God, wanting fellowship, wanting to pray, wanting to read the word of God, it will never catch up with you. In the name of Jesus, every day you wake up, your love for God will work stronger. In the mighty name of Jesus.